there's obviously a conspiracy theory that says that blood banks and blood drives <laughs> are run by vampires. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's a comparable game that optometrists are playing. Yeah. I can't think of any eye-eating monsters, though. I mean, none that are, like, specifically eye-eating. Like, you don't hear stories about, ah, the the great uh, Glasgowian eye-eater that wonders the wars. You don't think beholders grow all those eyes, do you? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you know, it's just supply and demand. They got... Yep. It's, it's an eye... In this new economy of ours. A blob floating around with a bunch of empty sockets. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that somehow sounds so much worse. (laughs) Just kind of clumsily floating through the air, bumping into walls. Excuse me. I gotta get those new eyes in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, ma'am. Excuse me, but also please fear me. So one of the things that uh, has stuck in my crawl since we last recorded, and I've, I've decided, like, from this point on, I'm just going to go full Andy Rooney. Um, <laughs> I approve. It's uh, everything is about uh, what's wrong with these kids today and how we can fix it. There's <laughs> um, a lot of strange things happening in the world these days. Yeah. Hmm. Um, no, so talking about these kids. Um so I don't know how this looks like in, uh, in America's heartland, but out here, uh, on the left coast in, in the coastal elite enclave that, uh, that I inhabit, uh, I've become disturbed by, uh, by the lack of snack food in the lives of children. And I think this is a gap we need to fill. Let me take you back to the the halcyon days of the nineteen. What do they eat? That's I don't remember eating anything else. Uh, see, that's it. You you grew up uh, in America's golden days when the aisles of your local grocery store and your pantry at home were aligned with nothing but various forms of sugar. You can walk down the street and pick the gushers right off the trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plant that gusher tree. It'll gr- grow for thirty years, but yield for a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Gushers, fruit roll-ups, um, and then things like Dunkaroos, which were basically, quite literally just like, dunk this stick of sugar into a... It's a, a it was jelly- a cookie that you dunked into frosting. Exactly. Um, but out here, I, I look around, and I'm at my local grocery store, and I'm not seeing anything remotely unhealthy for children. I'm seeing, like, pumpkin spice granola, and that does not endear this place to me. Mm. Is, is there a similar plight in uh, in the real America, or is this just uh, something that's happening out here? Well, uh, we there is like the the coastal elite style grocery store here, mm. and it's the the snack foods are fewer and farther between. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the the you know the proper supermarket, the mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the I literally went shopping two hours ago at the pick and save. <laughs> At the Chunky Mart. Yeah, basically. Uh, and, yeah, don't worry. It's Snack food is still alive and well among 
the uh, the lower strata of okay. of American culture. Well, you know that's or you, American that's, society. That's the bedrock of American society, though, and and that that should trickle up to yeah. to the folks uh, shopping at their organic grocery stores. Like they think they're going to escape it and live longer, but they're not. These elites are goddamn un-American. Is exactly what's that's going exactly on. right. How can you be American if you're not gradually unrolling a fruit roll up and then eating it from one corner to the other, bite by bite, like a chipmunk? Or, alternatively, rolling it into a ball, popping it into your mouth, and letting it sit in the corner of your mouth like a thing of chaw. Oh, don't think I didn't do that a million times when I was a kid. You do it, you suck on it long enough, and then you spit red. <laughs> so I don't I don't want the, the children on the coast to, uh, to be out. deprived. Yeah. And I, I assume that the folks who make these things have tried and failed to, to penetrate the market with their, uh, with their sugary delights. And so I'm wondering... It's what all co- orange slices and baby carrots now. It is. And I'm wondering what we might be able to do as responsible citizens to uh, maybe, uh, maybe trick our way into the grocery aisle. Well, we got to get out of the aisle and into the produce section. Mm-hmm. Good start. That's the ticket. They're never going to suspect it in the produce section. Anything you buy in the aisles, Mm -hmm. you know, is probably not going to be very good for you. Yeah, good plan. Uh, And I think part of that is the the idea of, oh, it comes in a box. And if you put it in a box, you got to have all this nutritional information on the side. And it implies a certain degree of manufacturedness that... Uh, obviously will do, but we want to avoid being seen as doing. If it's in the aisles, it's considered a processed food. Mm-hmm. And we need to find a way to naturalize processed food. Mm. Unprocessed foods. and uh, See, unprocessed... De- deprocessed. I like it. I like it. Deprocessed foods. Because then, then you can put it... In the produce section, you could put it behind the meat counter at places that do have meat. Uh, yeah. You could you could put it uh, all over the place uh, in places that uh, mothers wouldn't suspect. Yeah. So I I want to stick with the idea of the fruit roll up because I think that is the the great unsung all American snack food. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that I? I I think maybe you could do it kind of the way that you would. Uh, uh, what could you lay it out as? It, what's what's kind of the comp of the fruit roll up in the vegetable world or in the the produce world? Huh? Seaweed? Oh uh, yeah, it is. Does come in sheets? Yeah. So maybe like we'd call it sweet weed. Sweet weed, yeah. Just in the produce aisle. Give me some of that sweet, sweet weed. Give me some of that sweet, sweet weed. (laughs) The only jingle I know is can't get enough of that sugar crisp. (laughs) Yes, I forgot to put the fog lights in. (laughs) Ah, Sweet weed. I like that. Got to color it green, of course. And and it, it can't be that kind of nuclear green that you and I grew up with. It has to be... You know, something that, that looks looks the same, but we wouldn't change the the actual content of the food. It's really just changing the food dye. Yeah. I, I, well, you know, there's some stuff we can do to kind of juke the consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, 
just kind of rub a little dirt on it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That way it came out of the ground. Yeah. As yeah. far as they're concerned. Naturally grown on the sweetweed farms. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that that's a good start, I think. Plus, uh, I mean, uh, you know, we're going to have to put this on there somewhere anyway, but, you know, produce, please wash before consumption. I mean, that's just, it yep. kind of works out for us. That, that does, that does. Um, do we want to sell in packages where we control the number in there, or do we want to sell, because I'm thinking like individual sheets laid out, and you kind of grab as many as you want and kind of peel them apart because they'll stick together. What? Uh, I feel like if you start putting yeah, it in a uh, box, it defeats the purpose of the produce oh, section. No, you can't put it in a box. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can put it in a box. you got to put it loose in, in a cardboard, like an open cardboard box. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, maybe, like, a bunch of sheets stuck together. Mm-hmm. And that way you kind of have the peeling it yeah. off station. It's nature's packaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, if we're putting it in the produce section, I think that is the logical place for it to live. How do we price this thing? Because the answer is obviously at an absurd markup, but... What do we want people's reaction to be when they see the price in the aisle? Uh, you want their reaction to be that, who oh boy, these are expensive, but I got to do right by my kids. <laughs> Let's see. I need. I need. Uh, I need to do a little comparison pricing here. If I were to. Plus the fact that the, the fact that they're expensive mm-hmm. means that you're they're gonna tell the kids oh, try to only have one. Yep. And that's gonna you know what they say that about fucking candy. They yep. say the same thing about candy. They're, and the kids are gonna have the same response. They're gonna want more and more and more of it because they want what they can't have. All right. So on Amazon, I can get a box of seventy-two fruit roll-ups for twenty dollars. Uh, which, first of all, wow, Honestly, that's that crazy. Sounds ex- that sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are, uh, oh, these are the Blastonberry Hot Colors fruit roll-ups. Limited um, edition. Yeah, limited edition. All right, so if we're going 72 for 20, then that is uh, about 27 cents per fruit roll-up. I think we can double that. that makes sense. You usually get like a six-pack for two bucks, I want to say. Yeah. So I think we can double that at least. Uh, Because, look, this is a premium good. It may taste the same, may have the same nutritional content, but it's in a better aisle for a better class of person. We got... We got buddies at the USDA. We can get this shit certified organic, right? Oh, oh yeah. The uh, the the guidelines for being certified organic are absurdly loose. Does this contain carbon atoms? <laughs> Has this been made? Is this made of matter? <laughs> Calling it or, the guidelines that the USDA has are looser than those of. A chemistry textbook. I have seen organic Doritos in the aisle at the local Target. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm reasonably confident that if Doritos can be certified as organic, then most things can. 
Cage-free MSG. Cage-free fruit roll-ups. <laughs> yeah, these fruit roll-ups were sustainably raised, let to run free. I think the the other possibility, so if we're trying to expand our, our range of SKUs here, we got the, the flat sheets that you can buy, but also, as, as we said earlier, you'll want the kids to roll it up into a ball and pop it into their mouths. Let's just roll it into a ball to begin with. Then you're buying spheres. You're not buying sheets. Okay. Mm-hmm. We could do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe like wrap it in a little rice paper to convince mom that she's buying something healthy and then pop it out, pop it in your mouth, and then you've got a, got a little gelatinous blob in your mouth that you can chew on for hours on end. Yeah, like a gobstopper. Exactly. Like a chewable, gummy gobstopper. Mm, that's healthy. Yeah. Mm. I think I, I feel like that. we need like a cartoon ad campaign. Mm-hmm. Like showing the farmers in the fields... Yeah, in the, the sweetweed fields, or is it a patty? It's probably a patty. Yeah, it's a patty. Fields have a have a, a connotation that that these coastal parents are not comfortable with. I think you go with a patty. Yeah, you got to flood the sweetweed patty. Exactly. It it eats an enormous amount of water. It's really <laughs> not good for drought states. Um, well, that that'll just make them want it more. Exactly. Oh my god, we put so much water into this. It must be good. Yeah, nobody's eating almonds anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. How are avocados doing? <laughs> oh god, avocados. Okay, if we could have invented those, then we wouldn't have to be having this conversation. Yeah, that guy who invented avocados is rolling in dough right now. Yeah, Jim Avocado. <laughs> it sounds like a guy who owns a pizza shop in Brooklyn. <laughs> Hey, come on down at the avocados. I'm going to make you a nice pizza pie. Jim <laughs> mm. Avocado. Um, okay, so, yeah, we, we, have, uh, we have our little advertising campaign. Uh, we've got uh, the, uh, the sweet weed patties. you got the, the local farmer going through them. You've got the... Uh, the uh, uh, migrant worker families picking the uh, the sweetweed off of the the sweetweed bush, uh, yeah. making a better life for their families. Um, but not but too I, good. Not too. No, certainly not. Uh, we got to keep our margins. Yeah. I think the thing that I think would really push this over the edge is we got to get a celebrity endorsement, but it's got to be the right celebrity endorsement for this kind of crowd. And I've, I've got one in mind. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, environmentally friendly coastal parents. I think Ed Begley jr. Is the, that's where my brain went to. <laughs> Ed Begley jr. Is the spokesman for, uh, for sweet weed. I, I, I know he's like Mr. Environmental, but I feel like he can be bought. Oh, or fooled, one or the other. <laughs> you don't have to go to the farm. It's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, you you guys are sure this is environmentally friendly? Shut up, Ed. Eat your sweet weed. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to figure out. That, I mean, I guess it's right there in the name, but it took me a while to figure out there wasn't Ed Begley Sr. He was in 12 Angry Men. He was in 12 Angry Men. That's the only thing I've ever seen him in. Me too. Yeah. 
Unlike his more famous son. <laughs> Who was in, uh, uh, shit. Uh, yeah. I know, that, that movie. <laughs> uh, he plays recurring bit parts on Portlandia. <laughs> Actually, that's... How did Ed Bagley Jr. become pseudo-famous? Oh, he's on St. Elsewhere. I guess that was it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he did actually have something in his career to justify being noteworthy or noteworthy. Now I just want to see Ed Bagley Jr. as the romantic lead in something. Oh, yeah. Young Ed Bagley Jr. or current Ed Bagley Jr.? Current. So, like, the third best exotic Marigold Hotel starring Ed Bagley Jr. and Candace Yeah. Bergen. Or like, uh, it's about time we rebooted on Golden Pond. <laughs> yeah, but 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 who pl- who plays the Henry Fonda part? <laughs> uh, yeah, on Golden Pond. Hmm. Never seen it. Still, me neither. Oh well. Apparently, it was important. And it'll just have to endure in the popular consciousness as the first in a long string of films pairing aging former, not aging, aged former stars uh, in uh, romantic situations. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't have the fourth best exotic Marigold Hotel. Never saw that movie. No? No, I I assume you're really lost if you haven't seen the first two. It's a dense continuity. What happened to the other three hotels? And then you find out in the fifth one that uh, all of them burned down because Judy Dench is an arsonist. Some dames just want to watch the world burn. <sighs> so yeah, uh, I think Sweetweed. Sweetweed starring Ed Bagley a- Jr. Yes, the Come- movie. Yeah. Coming to a uh, a Sprouts aisle near you. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's good. Maybe we get like uh, Clint Howard as the sweet weed farmer. I like that. I like that. Clint, uh, I don't know if Clint can be fooled. He seems like a savvy customer, but he can certainly be bought. Oh, he can be bought. <laughs> what do you think Clint Howard's day rate is at this point? Uh, within our budget. I remember reading at one point that Danny Trejo's official policy is he will do any film that will pay him $10,000 a day. Like, his day rate is 10000 a day, and if you can afford it, you can get Danny Trejo. Huh. Yeah. You think Clint Howard is over or under the Danny Trejo line? That's, uh, that's a sub. Yeah. Sub, sub Trejo. I'd take the under. Well, I was watching some Monty Python lately, and I remembered the minstrels that Sir Robin had, and realizing, like, all these tech bros in in the Bay, they've got more money than they know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And they try to spend it on, like, flashy cars and... Yeah, expensive jeans. Designer hoodies. Yeah. How... Badass with the CEO of Bumblefuck or whatever these things are mm-hmm. starts walking around with a pack of goddamn minstrels behind him, okay. just singing his praises. I like this. I like this a lot, and it can't be like a, 
There's the idea of an entourage, and this is a very different thing than an entourage. Yes, yes. The, the entourage is there to to make you look big and look important and all of that, but this this is, first of all, it's a collection of very fine musicians. Second of all, it is a, a means by which you can announce your presence to the world. Yeah. I like this. Okay. And, and with the kind of money you have, you can, like, get musicians, like, you know, maybe you get a guy like maybe you want somebody to throw on a guitar solo like uh hey, Jeff Skunk Baxter. <laughs> yeah, get here's the back 50, of the line. Here's $50, so uh, that does raise the question, you know, if you think about medieval minstrels or Robin's minstrels, you you have uh what, like the lute player and a guy banging a tambourine and maybe one guy banging a, a sheepskin drum. Uh, and that can certainly be like the baseline entry level, but we got to have packages here, and we have to have add-ons and and price tiers that are appropriate. So how how can we, if we start at that maybe level of one guy in a loot, how do we scale up? And do you price per the musician, or per the instrument, or per the ensemble? Well, I think it can. We can offer a number of different sorts of packages. I mean. It, it can scale all the way up from, you know, you got a guy with a lute singing a song about how good you are, and maybe you want the whole London Philharmonic following you around. You know, it's all mm-hmm. what, you, what you got to spend. But I think it's important, like, if you're going to have the London Philharmonic following you around, I don't want there to be, like, risers being hauled by a truck. I think an important part of the, the minstrel aspect is these guys are on foot behind you. Okay. So, like... These guys are going to have to learn how to play cellos while walking and even skipping. Segways. Done. Okay, Okay, next question. Yep, let's move on. Um, And is... See, I think the trap we could fall into is if we were trying to supply the musicians, because then we have to employ the musicians. I think we have to take an Uber-like approach to this. We're just the middlemen. That's brilliant. So we will connect you the successful CEO to any number of musicians that can be at your beck and call at any point in time to make up your, your troop as it were. Yeah. We just handle the logistics. I love it. And take a healthy cut of the profits. Exactly. And it's so great. We're getting into just like a virgin market like this. Oh yeah. Yeah. No one's done this yet. I feel very good about this. Well, not in, 600 years yeah yeah i mean it's been a while i guess people have done this before (laughs) it's not a let's call it an idea whose time came and went and now has come again yeah like bell bottoms exactly or uh uh (laughs) yo-yos literally Uh, and figuratively yep (laughs) i get it (laughs) Uh, okay, so I like the idea of okay. So obviously, it's a uh, it's a smartphone app, or maybe uh, maybe like an Alexa skill. Hey Alexa, call me a uh, call me a troop of minstrels. Sure thing, Mark. How many minstrels would you like? Yeah, we can we can get Beezus on this. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beezus. Yes. Not Bezos. Not Bezos. Beezus. Beezus. Yeah, Chief Beezus. Our friend at Nile.com. Well, you know, we've got 
you know, a hip hop thing, you got Yeezus, and if you got a, a business thing, you got Beezus. Yeah, or Young Beezy, as his friends call him. <laughs> All right, so you you call your menstruals. Do you, do you do you contract them into perpetuity, or do is there like a, an allotted time period that they're they're on board for? maybe like a month contract or something like that it's not like you're not hiring these guys for the afternoon like they are with you you know it's it's a commitment they gotta gather material on you if they're gonna sing your praises in song form yeah you can't Um, just you can't expect a guy to just show up and wing it yeah exactly they have they have to see you in action over the course of a few weeks yeah that's how heroic tales are written yeah Plus all that legwork, uh-huh. it's going to raise the price and uh-huh. give us a bigger commission. I am a little worried that um, given that we are bringing back the mobile minstrel musician, uh, th- there does need to be uh, a degree of physical fitness involved if you're going to be uh, marching around constantly playing these tunes. Um I'm wondering if there's a way for us to get in on that, like maybe cross-selling gym memberships. Yeah, there's. we could do that. Also, I mean, we could talk to our friends over at Hoverboard. Yep, yep. Oh, I like that. That's that's a good idea. Because that's, that's an opportunity for us to, to uh, wet our beaks in a couple of places. Yeah. You wet the tip of the beak and then you wet the the end of the beak. Yeah. Plus it just kind of adds to the badass factor of like this rich guy walking down the street like if he's got a guy on a hoverboard playing mm-hmm. bagpipes behind him, yep. you get the fuck out of the way. I, honestly that does sound shockingly plausible. Mhm. But I think we need to think about about target market here, because I don't think that the Jeff Bezoses, the bees, young Beezy, or uh, Mark Zuckerberg, or folks like I don't think those are the guys that we target. Because no, the, well, not now. I mean, Zuckerberg. I mean, in two thousand seven, would have been a prime exactly. person for this. You got to get those, you know, these people that are worried about their burn rates and shit. Exactly. The, the guys who feel like they they have to to put it out there, that they have yeah. to, to show themselves to be worth the money that's being poured into them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it could be profitable for them just in terms of attracting VC money. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe we're looking at, uh, at people who are trying to close a Series A. I think that <laughs> may be the, uh, the ideal demographic there because they're – they're on their way to, to making it, at least as they've defined it, but they haven't done it yet, and they got something to prove. Yeah. Um, so we target these guys. We can do it with, uh, with uh, an app or an Alexa skill or, or something that would, uh, would be in their wheelhouse. And again, you, you know, you can, you can scale up. You can have a couple guys who are following you and learning, or you can have uh, the London Philharmonic. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to pay for it, but that's the way it is. That's how you get things in this world. You pay for them. Yeah, success it and cheap. Yeah. What do we call it? 
Yes, that is... Uh-huh. Well... Because, like, I, I know we're talking about medieval minstrels, but uh, minstrel has a, a different connotation uh, mm-hmm. in the 21st century than it once did, so maybe we should avoid that word. Yeah. Oh, but how about... I, how I, about, I don't know if it's been sticky enough. How about uh, bard? Yeah. How can we put a little bit of uh, extra English on that? Uh, it's B-A-R apostrophe D. Why don't we lose the A? B-R apostrophe D. Yeah. Bird. I'm a yeah. comma bird. <sniffs> hmm. I, Ooh, I like that. that. What is Bird. Bird. That's good. And then our our uh, our mascot is uh, a bird of your choice in full on minstrel garb, with uh, the the big puffy hat and the jodhpurs, or whatever the hell those pants were called, mm-hmm. strumming a lute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can offer options. I mean, we can probably run some sign of cost sort of costly training program mm-hmm. for aspiring extremely costly. birds for aspiring yes. birds yep that's that's how we give back like we're we gotta teach we gotta we gotta teach these birds how to fly am i right <laughs> yeah and uh when they graduate we give them wings like a pilot just a little, yeah. little pin they can post on themselves exactly that, that's our equivalent of like the new york city taxi medallion did yeah you, did you get your wings bird yeah, I mean, you could go with an uncertified bird, but mm-hmm. we can't vouch for them. Yeah, the the you're making your own bets on quality there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be walking into your meeting at uh, Kleiner Perkins and have an out-of-tune bird marching in behind you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, your, your app is showing explosive growth, but I'm pretty sure that's a scab bird. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll also encourage those people to just to keep the the ones doing it the legit way on their toes oh yeah totally totally totally. Um, gotta keep them going for the for the advanced training courses this this is not a one and done thing it's yeah you, you you have to have your initial training then you have to have your advanced training and then every year you have to, to pass your recertification. Because, you know, bird licenses expire. Market yeah. moves. Trends change. you got to be up to date. This is why Uber's having such a hard time is because people don't trust Uber drivers. Yep. And if they had this kind of training and stuff like that, then people might feel a little more at ease. But they just it's just kind of, oh, just some dude who downloaded an app and yeah. has a, a freaking uh, – Cutlass Sierra, (laughs) tooling around town. (laughs) Oh, I guess he can drive. Just because you can drive doesn't mean you're a driver, buddy. Yeah, exactly. I I like that. I I think that that's again we. This is the 21st century. We got to diversify our revenue streams. So if we can be taking a cut on the business and have this side hustle of uh, of the training program and the cross-sell promotion with the hoverboard guys. Yeah. If you're not integrating vertically, I just it's like you're doing business with one arm tied around behind your back, you know? Mm-hmm. 
No, totally. It's uh, we, we we call it the Bird Principle. Yeah. Named after uh, former Senator Robert Bird, um, and also former Major League Baseball outfielder Marlon Bird. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I think this is gonna work much better because if we had to try oh. to outsource this training to some like for-profit university we just be getting gouged mm-hmm. for a worse product than we can put together ourselves that's exactly right and i after running to, through those two terrible uh potential uh namesakes for the organization i found a much better one that's actually on brand uh charlie parker perfect the bird himself I, has yeah i feel like we could make some arrangements with his estate and mm-hmm. Could we get like a hologram Charlie Parker for our launch? <laughs> for the low, low price of 20000 you too can have a hologram of Charlie Parker playing saxophone with you wherever you go. <laughs> That's Bird. Bird's hot tonight. <laughs> oh, God. There's a. Uh... I'm on Charlie Parker's Wikipedia page. There is a sculpture on the page, like a picture of a sculpture called Bird Lives in Kansas City, Missouri. And I get that they're trying to capture... They didn't get the news in Kansas City? (laughs) Nope, nope. (laughs) It's a little late. Guys, I got some bad news. But the the image... Probably a bad idea to name a sculpture Anybody Lives, lives. because it's got a shelf life. Yeah. Yeah, sooner or later you're gonna have to change the inscription. It's gonna be awkward. But this this sculpture, it uh, so I don't know what material it is. It looks like maybe it's kind of got the look of Statue of Liberty, like it was copper that then oxidized and and turned green. Sure. Um, but the way they sculpted his hair, I mean, I guess Bird had like a real short cropped haircut. The way they sculpted it and the color and the way the light hits it makes it look like he just has a massive exposed brain. <laughs> Let's lean into that. Yeah, yeah. The Bird Brain. Bird Brain. Oh, that's that's the. Name that's what of we the- call our training. Bird brain. It's also what we call uh, the engine that powers the uh, the connections in our app. Our patented yeah. bird brain technology. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is a great idea. I feel like yeah. uh, I feel like there is a real market for this. And living in Berkeley, God knows there are a ton of musicians around here who fancy themselves bards anyway. Perfect. Yeah. The acoustic guitar to human being ratio in Berkeley is, well, not as high as someplace like Austin, Texas. Still very, very high. Yeah. See, we're cleaning up the streets, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cleaning up the streets. Yeah. You don't want people tripping over all those guitar cases. No. The 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 Berkeley guitar menace is out of control. And I, for one, say, enough. Senator, enough, Senator Feinstein. What are you going to do about all these guitar cases littering our streets? Yeah. Mm. And yet, and yet. And yet. Mm-hmm. I do have one more, uh, one more thing that I'd just like to ask you about. I don't know if there's an idea in here, but uh, something that was on a text chain we were on not too long ago, and it really kind of got in my, my head. Hit me. Um... 
Whatever happened to the Willinium? And did we lose the Willinium somewhere along the way? I mean, we obviously did. Yeah. I mean, it's... I I, I asked knowing the answer. Um, where, did, where did it all go wrong? Uh... I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just... It seemed like it should have been a bigger thing. Uh, why did Will, Will Smith stop making music? Did Will Smith stop making music, or did we just stop noticing? I feel like we would have noticed. I don't know. What was the last Will Smith movie you saw? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. I still haven't seen Suicide Squad. That was the last thing he was in that I was conscious of him being in. Yeah, I have not seen that. Uh, It's been a while. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at the filmography. The last film on this list that I remember being like noteworthy in the moment it came out was I Am Legend, and that was 10 years ago. Yeah. I think I saw like a couple minutes of Hancock at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I hate to say this. I feel like we failed the Willennium. I don't think the Willennium failed us. Yeah. I I for one didn't do my part. No. No. Uh, I feel like we all could have done better. The last Will Smith album came out in 2005. Was it called? Was it Will? No, he put out another album. So he so Big Willie Style was 97, Willinium was 99, Born to Rain was 2002, and Lost and Found was the last one in 2005. We know what was lost, and that was the Willinium. But what was found, we may never know. Yeah. Hmm. Personally, I blame these lazy Willennials. So do I. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, maybe you know what it's gonna it's gonna take what a mini series. Oh, like a Ken Burns style mini series. Exactly. Yeah, about how we lost the Willennium. Yes. Mm-hmm. We could have like uh, talking heads interviews with DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. Can we get a hologram of uh, Shelby Foot? <laughs> yeah, hologram Shelby Foot. <laughs> yeah, there were only uh, I once heard there were only two great geniuses of the Willennium, Will Smith and uh, Nathan Bedford Edward Forrest. And when I told that to uh, the widow Forrest, she said, "Well, we never cared much for Will Smith and our family." <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha